Amen. If you would, please take a copy of God's Word this morning and open it up to Galatians chapter 6 as we continue studying this wonderful letter in which Paul the Apostle is writing to the Christians in Galatia. Now, as you're finding your way there, let me uh, state this. I praise God that He is a God of order. Now, when you think about that, God, everything that He does, He does with order in mind. All right? God is not the God of chaos. He's not the God of disorder. Everything he does is, is orderly. And, you know, when you look at his creation, when you look at, you know, the universe, praise God that there's order to the universe. I mean, if you think about how complex the universe really is, uh, just take our solar system. Take, take Earth, for example. The fact that we are uh, as close to the sun as we need to be to sustain life, I mean, think about it, if, if we were, oh, I don't know, a few inches closer to the sun, we'd all burn up. If we were a few inches away from the sun, we'd, we'd all freeze. Just think about the rotation of the earth. The earth is rotating at just the right speed that we're, we're not flying off. We're not flying off out into uh, space there, nor is it rotating too slow uh, that, again, we would float away. And so just the rotation of the, the earth, um, the position of the earth. You know, God is a God of, of order. He has built uh, order into the physical world, and he's also built order into the spiritual world. Now, this order we call law. Now, there are both spiritual laws as well as there are physical laws. For example, there's the physical law of gravity. If you remember, Isaac Newton discovered the law of gravity. He didn't invent it. He didn't come up. He discovered it when he was sitting there, and he noticed an apple falling from a tree, and it, it, it hit him. Uh, you know, hey, what goes up must come down. This, this apple falls. It falls to the ground, and thus he discovered the law of of gravity. Now, we don't break the law of gravity. The law of gravity breaks us. For example, and I've used this illustration before, you know, if you were to climb up, let's say, to a 20-story building, and you're going you're gonna to try to uh, defeat the law of gravity, you're going to break the law of gravity, and you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to jump off of this building, and the law of gravity will have no effect on me, guess what? You would be wrong. You'd be flat wrong. Because guess what? You're going to fall. You are going to drop like a rock. And so you don't break the law of gravity. The law of gravity breaks you. And so there are physical laws, the law of gravity. Uh, there are spiritual laws. Um, there's another great law, too, that, that also is both in the physical realm as well as in the spiritual realm. And that's the law of sowing and reaping. Or 
planting and harvesting or seed time and harvesting. However you want to call it, it's, it's the same law. And that's kind of what we're going to look at this morning. Not so much from the physical aspect because, you know, I know as we get through this, I don't want you to think, well, I, I came to hear a message from God's word. I didn't come to learn about agriculture. I didn't come to learn about how to be a good farmer. Uh, you know, I don't have a green thumb. I don't even desire to have a green thumb. You know, I am, my house is the hospice for plants. Plants come to my house to die. So I, I, I don't really want to learn anything about agriculture. I want to learn about God's word. Well, the good news is this law applies both in the physical realm as well as in the spiritual realm. And we're going to extract some truths this morning. Galatians chapter 6, beginning with verse 7. Paul says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For if he sows to his flesh, will of his flesh reap corruption. But if he sows to the Spirit, will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, if we, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. This is the portion of Scripture. I just want to unpack some truth this morning, uh, not just so we can leave here and say, okay, I'm a little bit smarter now, um, a little wiser now, but that we can apply it to our life, all right? And so there are three faith facts that I want us to get this morning. Faith fact number one is very simple, very straightforward, and that is whatever I plant, I will harvest. Whatever I plant, I will harvest. Now, would you not agree it would be absolutely foolish for a farmer all right, to go out into his field with a sack full of corn seed. He is going to plant a crop of, of corn and he's going to go and he's going to broadcast this corn seed. He's going to plant this corn seed. All right? And after he gets done, let's say he planted 40 acres of corn seed. All right. After he gets done planting that last seed, he takes a step back, he takes his handkerchief out, he wipes the sweat off his brow, he puts his fingers in his overalls, and he says, Woo, I can't wait for watermelons to sprout up. We would, we would laugh. It would be foolish for the farmer to think that he planted one thing, and he's going to get a different type of crop. See, whatever I plant, I will harvest. Right? Whatever I do what? I will what? Let's do it again. Whatever I, I will, that's the law. That's the law of sowing and reaping. Whatever you plant, that's what you're going to harvest in return. Now, listen, every choice that you make has a consequence. Every action that you do, whether good or bad, has a consequence. Every thought that you think 
has a consequence. And so don't think for a second that you can do one thing over here and expect a different result over here. Now, I know you sit there and say, well, who in their right mind would think that? I mean, who in their right mind would, are you serious that there are people that would actually think that they can do whatever they want over here and ex expect a different harvest over here? Absolutely. This is why Paul is writing this. He says in verse 7, he says, do not be deceived. Don't be led astray. God is not mocked. That word mock in the Greek means to snub your nose up at, right? And what Paul is saying is, listen, don't, don't be deceived, all right? Don't think for a second that you can plant something over here and expect a different result over here. Don't think for a second. Don't mock God. Don't snub your nose up at God because guess what? God's word says that whatever you plant, you're, you're going to harvest. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. This is God's law of the harvest. He's giving his warning to believers. These were Christians in Galatia. Young Christians, to be exact. In fact, they have been deceived a lot, if you think about it, if you've been kind of going uh, with us through this study. If you remember, they've been, they've been duped to believe that salvation is believing in Christ plus some work that you have to do. And so they were tacking on works to their salvation. They were saying, look, you know, I, 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 I'm religious and I do good things and I, I do all the law and all this stuff over here. Yes, I believe in Christ. And, and Paul is writing to, to, to correct their line of thought because guess what? Judaizers had come into the church and they were, they were deceiving them. And so Paul again says, listen, don't be deceived. Don't be led astray. Don't get the idea. That you can do whatever you want and then expect a different harvest over here. In fact, if we're keeping in context of the scripture, we've been talking about the freedom that we have in Christ. And Paul says, you know, we've been, we've been called to freedom, chapter 5. He says, stand in the freedom that we have in Christ. And then Paul says, do not use your freedom as an opportunity to fulfill the desires of the flesh, but instead use this freedom to serve one another in love. And so Paul has been kind of just driving this home because we say, well, you know what? Okay, we're under grace. We're under God's grace, and this is great, you know, because there, there's two, uh, two ends or there's two, two, two sides to the same coin here, all right? There's, there's the legalistic view, that's the Judaizer, that's the people who are saying, listen, you have, to, you have to obey the law, you have to keep the law, you have to you know, do all this religious stuff in order to be saved. And then on the opposite side of that is the, the liberal side, and the liberal saying, well, you know what, I'm under grace, I'm not under the law, I can live my life any way I want to over here. And Paul is correcting both uh, thoughts of error. Because though we are free, though we are free, we're not under the law. Yes, we're free from the rules and the regulations. However, we're not to use that as an opportunity to live our life any way we want. And that's the point Paul's trying to drive home here. Because you say, well, I can live my life any way I want and there's no consequences. And Paul says, oh, well, we, we, stop for a second. Don't be deceived about that. 
Don't think for a second that your actions don't have consequences. Don't, don't stop for a second. Don't mock God. Don't you snub your nose up at God. Because guess what? God says whatever you sow, you're going to reap. There are consequences for every single thing you do, every thought you think, every word that you speak. It all has consequences. Don't think for a second that you're going to escape the consequence. Remember, the Bible teaches us that in Christ, Romans chapter 8, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ. The Bible never says there's no consequences to those who are in Christ. There isn't. There are. There is consequences in Christ. You'll not find a place where it says there's not. This is not the only place where we see this principle of sowing and reaping. It's not the only time Paul ever mentions it, by the way. Let me tell you, just give you kind of just a, a survey really quick throughout the Bible. Uh, back in, in Job, Job says that those who plow evil and sow trouble reap the same. In other words, Paul, or what, what Job is saying is, listen, those who are out there plowing evil and they're sowing trouble, guess what they're going to get in return? They're going to get evil and trouble in return. Moses, speaking to the children of Israel, God's people, he says, listen, don't, don't, don't be mistaken. Guess what? Your sin will find you out. You can run, but you can't hide. Hosea says that those who sow the wind will reap the whirlwind. Jesus gives us what we call the golden rule. How many of you are familiar with the golden rule? Right? The golden rule says this, that whatever you wish others to do to you, do to them also. Again, that's, that's, that's the sowing and reaping principle, right? If you want people to be kind to you, you need to be kind to people. If you want people to be rude to you, you be rude to people, right? That's, that's the same principle. However you want people to treat you, you treat them. That's the sowing and reaping principle. Paul says in Corinthians that, he who sows generously will reap generously. And he who sows sparingly will, guess what, reap sparingly. In other words, don't think for a second that, that you can sow sparingly and reap generously. It's not going to work that way. Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. You can't snub your nose up at God and say, well, God, I'm going to just sow sparingly and expect a bumper crop over here. It's not going to happen not going to happen that way most of the book of proverbs is all about guess what sowing and reaping book of revelation describes the second coming as the day of reaping when every person will stand before jesus and they will be judged according to what he has done in fact paul makes it very clear that every single person will have to stand before god and give an account give an account whether good or bad all right so don't, think, don't be deceived and don't think, well, I can plant whatever I want over here and expect something over here. I can plant bad over here and expect good over here, right? It, it doesn't work that way. You see, you get what you give. If you want somebody to pray for you, pray for somebody. If you want somebody to encourage you, you encourage somebody. If you want someone to visit you, you visit someone. 
You see, you, you get what you give. That's the law. That's the principle of sowing and reaping. You cannot get something you haven't given. It doesn't work that way. And so Paul says right out of the gate that whatever we plant, we harvest. Faith fact number two. I need to be careful of which field I'm planting in. Whatever I plant, whatever I sow, I'm going to reap, but I also need to be careful which field I'm planting in. Look at verse 8. Paul says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit we reap everlasting life. So there are two fields in which we can plant. There's two fields in which we can, we can uh, sow our seed, all right? Whatever that seed may be. There's the field called flesh, and there's the field called spirit. Now, we need to be careful as to which field we're planting in. Or let me say it a different way. We need to be careful which field we're investing in. Because if you're investing in the flesh, guess what you're going to reap? Corruption. If you're, if, you're, if you're investing in the Spirit, if you're sowing in the Spirit, everlasting life. And so what we need to understand is sowing in the flesh means that, 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 that the flesh has its way. We've been talking about this. Paul has been unpacking this, that as a Christian, we have two natures. As a Christian, we, we still have the flesh, all right? And, and, and we've got to remember, you know, because I don't want you to think for a second that the, the, when, when we say flesh in a general term that it's a bad thing, the flesh is neutral, right? You can use the flesh to honor God or dishonor God, right? And so when we understand that the flesh, the flesh is the flesh, all right? And, and Paul has been talking about this, this nature that we have in the flesh, our, our desires, our sinful desires, our prideful desires, our rebellious desires. The flesh is opposed to the things of God. The, the flesh doesn't walk by faith. The flesh walks by sight. The flesh has to see it before believe it. Right? The flesh, the flesh is, is, is rebellious against God. The flesh is the one who snubs his nose up at God. And Paul is saying, listen, if you're sowing to the flesh, it means that you're allowing the old person to have its way and to remember as christians we're a new creation in christ i wish i wish that when we became a christian god just eradicated that nasty old man of me that flesh well, it would be so great be so great but but he he chose to leave that nature in me the good news is, is that as Christians, we have the Spirit living in us. We have God's nature dwelling in us. Paul's been talking about that. We're going to see this in a second. But, but here's the thing. Now, now, now we have this decision. Do we obey the flesh? Do we give in to the flesh? Do we sow seeds in the field of the flesh? Or do we sow to the Spirit, do we sow in the field of the Spirit? Do, do, so now we're, we're, we're at this moment of decision in our, in our life. Paul has been talking about the flesh and the Spirit. Just go back one chapter. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Again, this is a choice. 
It is a volitional choice that we make as believers. It will not happen by osmosis. It will not happen automatically. This is, this is all about when Paul says, remember, remember Paul's unpacking um, uh, Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, or 20 and 21. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. He says, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. This life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me, and he gave himself for me. Paul says, listen, I don't set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness could come uh, by the law, then Christ died in vain. So Paul's been unpacking this, and so when we understand that the Christian life is about allowing Christ to live in us through his spirit, it's about yielding to the spirit, it's about walking in the spirit, that's, that's how we can live victoriously as Christians. I believe when we start to deny the spirit's involvement in our life, we start to quench him. We start to grieve him because he's, he's taken up residence. Jesus says, I'll send another helper. He will come. He will be uh, not just uh, over you. He'll be in you, not just with you, but in you. This residence, the Holy Spirit, lives inside of us. And so when we, we have this choice, where are we going to invest? Where are we going to plant? We're either going to plant to the flesh or we're going to plant to the, to the spirit. Paul says, I say, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these two are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. But if, it's, it, there's a contingency here, right? There's a condition here, right? Paul says, but if you are led by the spirit, then here's, here's, if the condition is met, guess what? You're not under the law. And so Paul has been talking about this life uh, that, that, that's in the Spirit, being walk, uh, walking in the Spirit, being led by the Spirit. Now I'll go back to Galatians chapter 6, verse 8. He says, For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption or decay. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, I, want to, I just want to take a, a, a few minutes all right, and unpack this last part here. Specifically where Paul says, but he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Now, I can anticipate the question being asked of this. When Paul says that if we're sowing to the Spirit, we're going to reap everlasting life or eternal life your bible might say is paul suggesting that salvation is something that is a result of us planting us working i mean if we're if we're planting to the spirit if we're sowing to the spirit is salvation a result of of our work of our effort well we have to remember the context in which paul is talking about Paul has been arguing very clearly that we are not saved by our works. Whatever work that is, all right, we are not saved by our works. We're saved by faith in Jesus Christ. Now, you got to remember, the Judaizers had come in, and they were, they were deceiving these young Christians, and they were saying, listen, yes, Paul, Paul you know, we question his authority, number one. We really don't think he's a real apostle because, you know, the, the mother church in Jerusalem did not ordain him. He doesn't lack the proper credentials 
to be considered a true apostle. So, so whatever Paul said, says, kind of take it with a grain of salt, all right? Because it, 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 Paul, he's kind of he's joined the, the, the group late, you know, later in life. And, and he's kind of making the gospel, he's watering it down a little bit to make it more appealing. And what they were saying is, listen, yeah, is Paul somewhat right? Because, yes, you have to have faith in Jesus. He's not wrong about that. However, where Paul is, is really um, failing to tell you is that there is some additional work that you need to do in order to obtain God's salvation. Right? Namely, these Judaizers, what they were saying is, listen, uh, 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 for the males, guess what? You need to be circumcised. You're Gentiles, you're not Jewish, you need to be Jewish, you need to be circumcised, and, 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 and that's what they're, they say. listen, until you do that, until you do this ritual, until you do this work, until you fulfill this, this law, guess what, you're not saved. And, and so Paul comes in, he says, listen, we're not saved by our works. We're not saved by what we do. We're saved because of what Christ has done for us. And so... Paul is building a solid case that works do not, nor can they ever save us. Paul says back in the beginning of Galatians, uh, he asked them a question. He says, how did you receive the Spirit? Listen to Galatians chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. Paul says, oh foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? If you remember that message, where Paul, Paul says, man, who, who put a spell over you, man? I mean, did, did the magicians come in and wave their magic wand and cast the spell over you? I mean, who has bewitched you? Who's, man, who, 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 that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly, clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Paul says, this only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? That's a great question. He says, are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect or mature by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? And Paul asked the question, he says, how did you receive the Spirit? Was it by works of the law or was it by faith? Well, that's a rhetorical question. We would say, well, we receive the Spirit by faith. It's our faith in Jesus Christ. He says, well, if, if you receive the Spirit by faith, what makes you think that you can be made mature, you can be made perfect by works? And so we have to keep in context with, with the Scriptures here. And so we receive the Spirit by faith. We're being made more like Jesus by the work of the Holy Spirit. We come to verse 8, and, and now it, it appears that there's a contradiction. But there's not. Now, many theologians worth their weight in gold interpret this message in light of its context, what Paul has been saying since the first verse of the first chapter, right? Kind of building it all together, linking it all together, putting it all together right, in, in context of the letter, but also in the totality of the gospel message, right? The good news that Jesus saves, Jesus alone. It's Jesus plus nothing for salvation, right? That's the good news. And so many theologians worth their waiting gold interpret this not as pertaining to salvation, but pertaining to the quality of our salvation, the quality of our life in Christ. 
Now, there's a difference. Right? Because the, the Christians in Galatia, they were already saved. They'd already trusted in Christ. They were trying to, to, to become made perfect or mature, more like Christ, by keeping the law. And Paul says, no, no, the, the, law, the law is powerless to do that. It's the work of the Holy Spirit in your life that, that he, he comforts us when we're discouraged. He convicts us when we sin. He corrects us. He teaches us, he counsels us, he conforms us. So we look at the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of us as believers. Now, the Christians in Galatia, they were already saved. The problem was is that they were not experiencing the freedom that they have in Christ. Going back, they were still entangled. They were still in bondage to the law, in bondage to the works. They, 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 they failed to see the freedom that they have in Christ, that Christ came to set them free from all of that. And so it deals not with salvation, it deals with the quality of our life in Christ. For example, remember Jesus says, I have come that you may have life, and life what? More abundant. The quality of our Christian life, the quality of our spiritual life, the quality of our life in Christ. What Paul is saying, listen, if you're going to sow to the flesh, you're not going to experience, you're not going to harvest the quality of life in Christ over here. You're not going to do it. Don't think for a second that you can do it and you can deceive, you're deceiving yourself and you're mocking God if you do. If you're going to sow to the flesh and expect a different result over here. And so this verse is not dealing with the gift of salvation. It's dealing with the rewards that accompany salvation. You gotta remember, for the believer, and we'll go a little deeper here, for the believer, every single one of us, well, every single person will stand before the Lord one day. Every single person will give an account to the Lord. But for the believer, we will stand before the Lord on what the Bible declares the day. It's the day of judgment or the beam of seat of Christ, right? Where we'll stand before Jesus and he will, will reward us based upon not, not salvation, but based upon what we've done here on earth for him. So what's that questioning when we stand before Jesus as believers, when we, stand, we have an appointment with Jesus when we stand before him, we're, our salvation is not in question. Why is that? Because our salvation is in Christ. He's the one who paid for our salvation. Now, see, I would argue, if somebody said, well, I, I don't know about that, I would argue, well, let me ask you this question. Did what Jesus do on the cross did it fully satisfy the righteous demands of God? Absolutely. Absolutely. And here's why, I, here's why I make that claim. Because if Jesus did not, if Jesus died on the cross as mere man, guess what? We wouldn't be celebrating Resurrection Sunday. We wouldn't, we wouldn't have the resurrection. Guess what? There'd still be a body. We can go visit the tomb. We can go to Israel. We can go to the tomb. We can pay our homage to the dead body in the tomb. But guess what? There's no body in the tomb. And, the, and, and that just validates the claims of Christ that what he did on the cross, his sacrifice satisfied the demands of God. It was perfect. God does not need you to add to 
the sacrifice that Christ made. God doesn't need your help. And so, when we look at what's at question here is our rewards as believers. Let me give you a verse. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11 through 15. He says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. You see, the Christians in Galatia already had this foundation. They had the foundation of Christ, right? Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear for the day, right? When Paul says the day, he's talking about the, the, the day of judgment, the, the beam of seed of Christ. He says, for the day will declare it because it will re- be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, corruption, decay, right? But he himself will be saved yet so as through fire. And so what Paul's talking about, he's not talking about salvation. He's not saying, listen, is our salvation dependent upon whether we're sowing to the flesh or sowing to the spirit? Because Paul says, listen, if I'm sowing to the spirit, I'm going to reap eternal life. I'm going to reap everlasting life. What Paul's talking about is, listen, as we're sowing to the spirit, guess what? When we stand before God, our work will be judged we're building with the right material, if we're planting the right seeds in the right field, we will receive a reward. Now, I have to pause here. This isn't in my notes, but I, I do feel that it's appropriate to kind of interject this right here because I don't want you to think for a second. Because I know, I, I know, again, this is the flesh here. The flesh likes rewards, right? The flesh likes to earn something. The flesh likes to win something. And I don't want you to think for a second that when we get to heaven, you know, we, we want to get all these rewards. We want, we want to be saying, look what I did, man. Look what I did on earth, man. You know, I got this crown. I've got this crown because, you know, I, I was very evangelistic and I led people to the Lord. Or I got this crown as I did this. Or I got this crown. I got this. I got all these rewards. And I've got all these things. Look how good I had it on earth. And then, and then somebody else goes say, oh, man, I really wish I would have done more. Wish I would have, man, I have nothing to boast about. I have nothing to brag about. I kind of wanted to plant, no pun intended, that seed because next week I want to encourage you to be here because Paul says, listen, if I'm going to boast, I'm going to boast not in what I've done for Jesus, but what Jesus has done for me. I'm going to boast in the cross. But, But I say that now because I don't want you to think that when we get to heaven, we're going to have all these rewards, whether great or or small, right? And we're going to go to our mansion in heaven, right? And we're going to put them on a shelf, all right? And invite our friends over and say, look, look at all I did back on earth. Man, look at all these rewards. Look at, look at all I've got to, that there would be boasting. Listen, there's going to be no boasting in heaven about what we've done. It's all, we're going to all gather around the throne and we're going to declare, worthy is the lamb that was slain for us. Right? We're going to declare how awesome Jesus is. That's what heaven's going to be like. The rewards are for us to cast down at his feet as worship. That's what we need to understand. So Paul says, listen, man, if you're going to sow seeds, don't sow to the flesh because guess what? You're going to stand up in heaven and guess what? You're not going to have anything to cast at Jesus' feet. He says, sow to the Spirit. You sow to the Spirit, you'll reap everlasting life, quality, 
not the quantity. So a salvation can be gained by my performance, which it can't. But if, if salvation can be gained by my performance, then it's also true that salvation can be lost by my lack of performance. And I would argue no. Not for the true believer. Because of what God has done. And, and, and God's word says, he who begun the good work in you will complete it. And there's no contingency on that. If you read the rest of the verse, it doesn't say, if, if you do this, right? If you're planting in the field of, of the spirit, or you're planting in the field of flesh, no, 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 none of that. Just God, God will accomplish what he sets out to accomplish. What I need to be concerned about, what I need to kind of just, just make sure, right? Where, where am I planting here? Am I planting to the flesh? Am I planting to the spirit? So be careful. Lastly, real quick, I spent a little too much time on that second point, but let me get to the third point real quick. I harvest in a different season than I planted. That's faith fact number three. Don't, for, don't think for a second, all right, that you're going to plant seeds today, and by this evening, you're going to see fruit. It doesn't work that way, right? Verse 9, Paul says, and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart now back in verse 7 we're deceived if we think that we can reap whatever or sow whatever we want and reap something differently all right but here in verse 9 paul is saying listen don't be discouraged don't be discouraged because you're planting over here. You're planting in the, in, in the field called spirit, right? You're sowing to the spirit, right? Don't get discouraged because, because you're, you're planting, but, but you're not seeing any fruit from that. You're, you're not seeing any growth from that. You're not seeing any, any, any life from those seeds yet. Don't. It would be foolish going back to the farmer. It would be absolutely foolish for a farmer to go out and plant. Think about that, all right? Let's just play pretend for a second. Pretend you're a farmer and you go out in the field and you plant your seed. You're planting corn and you plant the corn seed and, and you finish planting the corn seed. Let's say it took you all day to plant corn seed, all right? At the end of the day, you go back to where you started. You unearth the dirt. You pull up the seed. You examine the seed. You throw it down and say, ah, I can't get anything to grow. I'd be foolish, right? Because even a farmer knows that what you plant today takes time. It takes time. It takes time for the seed to germinate. It takes time for growth to take place. That what you plant in this season, you reap in another season. And so this is, this is the encouragement Paul is giving. He gives us a warning in verse 7. He says, don't be deceived. But in verse 9, he's given us encouragement because he says, listen, you know, don't, don't give up. Don't get tired of doing good because you'll reap. You'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. Don't lose heart. God is encouraging us. He's encouraging us to keep on planting, leaving the results to him. That's, this takes faith, really, when you think about that. You know, you plant the seed, and you put the soil on top of the seed. You can't see what's happening under the soil. 
All you can do is trust, right? All you can do is wait patiently. All you can do, you, 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 you can't see what's going on under the surface. And that's the encouragement I want to give to us this morning because I know it's easy for us to get discouraged because we're doing good and we're sowing, you know, in the field called spirit, we're sowing things to the spirit and we're just not, we're not seeing anything. We're not seeing any results. Encouragement is there, God is working under the surface, right? He, he's at work. Don't think for a second that God has checked out. Don't think for a second that God is on vacation. Don't think for a second that God is asleep, right? God is always at work. What we need to understand, and this is, this is where we wrestle, we struggle with this because, you know, we want, every, we want instant growth, right? You know, we bought into, you know, we bought into the commercial miracle grow, right? You know, where we just put the solution on the, on the plant and, you know, within the day or two, we've got a luscious tomato plant. And it, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And so what you're planning today you'll harvest in another season. Don't give up. Just keep waiting. Keep trusting God. Keep focused on Him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And ask our praise team to come up here. Don't be deceived. Every Thing you do, every action, every word you say, every thought you think, it has a consequence. What you plant, you will harvest, you'll, you'll reap it. God will not be mocked. Here's the, I just want encouragement this morning, okay? I don't want to beat you up over the head, but I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you, don't, don't give up. And I know it's easy. It's easy to say, well, I just, I just don't see any fruit. I don't see any, any growth there. I mean, I'm doing, I'm doing everything, you know, what I feel is according to the will of God, and I just, I just don't see anything over here. What am I doing wrong? The reality is, is you may be doing everything right, but now you just got to stand back and trust the Lord because it's God who causes the growth. There's our responsibility. We, we, we have to go out and plant the seed. God's not going to plant the seed for us. We have to plant the seed. There, there's our responsibility. And then there's God's responsibility. He causes the growth. And I think that that's where we wrestle is just trusting God as he's working under the surface of things, that he knows what he's doing, he knows best, and that we just need to wait upon the Lord and allow him to renew our strength.